Okay, okay. Oh, this is the final podcast of the evening. Woo! The music will start after this, but this is the main event, the headline show. The modest, the modest era. Um, my name is Craig Connolly from District Magazine, and I am joined by Mr. Subset. I'm joined by Killian from Mount Alaska. I'm joined by Johnny Brennan, a.k.a. Boba Funk. And I am joined from Jenny from We Are Redhead PR. And we're going to talk about culture, as if you haven't done that enough today. Um, so, I have 40 questions for 40 minutes. I don't know how that's going to work. Um, but what I do know is that everyone on this panel um, is in some way connected to this event. So, Jenny, you helped spread the word about this event. You do the good deed. Johnny, you actually designed issue four, which should get a round of applause, I think, at least. Because if you don't give it a round of applause, that means you haven't seen the magazine, which means you haven't spent 10 quid on it yet. So uh, you should probably do that. Uh, then we also have Killian, that you are actually pressed on the record that people are going to get, the 100% Irish record. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, Mr. Subset, you are Mr. James Kirwan's artwork. The Grey Area Project is across the road, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah? Sweet. Okay. In, in your time being involved in your respective fields and industries, do you feel that Ireland has progressed culturally or do you feel that it's regressed even? And I suppose we'll start off with subset on that. <laughs> this is going to be class. Uh, I mean, we've been doing this for eight years now and the whole time we've had to continuously struggle and fight just to make small amounts of progression. And it's not because this isn't a country where what we want to do will work. It's because the pitfalls and the barriers are put in place by people who don't understand just how beneficial what we're trying to do could be for the country, for the nation. I mean... And just for anyone that's unfamiliar with Subset, what, what's the ethos of Subset? Get it done. Get it done. <laughs> I actually saw on, uh, on your Instagram, it says, standard issue middle-class gobdaws masquerading as urban radicals. Um, so that's completely accurate. And, <laughs> and, and how, did, how did that name come to be? Uh, it was a comment by an individual on an art piece that we did uh, it was actually when we painted over the Stormzy piece with an image of a council worker. And uh, so everybody, like most people anyway, were giving us praise for that, which is sweet, thank you. And um, some guy chimed in and basically said, because everybody was saying these guys are radicals and they're trying to do stuff differently, and this guy chimed in and was like, nah, these are just posh clowns, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking that they're doing something different and they're not, and we just thought that is absolutely perfect. <laughs> And oh, shouts to that guy, I can't remember <laughs> And on the, the 9th of March, um, the very first Grey Area Project piece went up, if I'm not mistaken. Um, can you briefly, as po if possible, um, outline what the intention is of the Grey Area Project? I've spoken to you in, at length about this, but for, for people that maybe aren't as familiar, can you sort of outline what the, what the goal of the project actually is? It's removing the shackles that are placed on this art form by people who don't understand it and don't understand how... I mean, what, what large format artists, what this community do, it, it's very patriotic. Like, it's a, it, it's a difficult thing to take your 
outlet of expression and put it in the public realm for your fellow countrymen and women to critique. And these days, in this age, you know, everybody feels, myself included, the rest of the team included, like you have ownership. When someone does something, you have ownership over it. So for this group of artists to come together and basically bear their heart on their sleeve illegally, because what we're doing at the moment is punishable by up to, and I'm not even joking, 12 and a half million quid in fines per art piece and up to one year in prison. That's a lot of balaclavas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, <laughs> uh, you mentioned taking off the shackles and I think that's an interesting way of, sort of, of moving on to, to the other guys. Like, do you feel that in the landscape of Ireland, do you feel that it nurtures Irish talent creatively in, in, in a music sphere and uh, we were talking about the 100% Irish stage, which, which is a great platform. Do you feel that there's enough of that being done in a music and design sphere? Uh, Killian? Um, yes and no. You know, I think, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a give and take thing and I think it has to be a kind of a symbiotic thing as well. I think as an artist, you've got to be really, really, really good to want people to invest in what you do. And that might just be the guys putting us on for Forbidden Fruit. Or that might be someone investing in buying our records. So, um, I think it, there are loads of opportunities out there, loads and loads of opportunities out there. But I think, first and foremost, you've got to really, really work at your craft, and you've got to be really, really good, and you've got to maintain a pretty high level of integrity and professionalism. And there are certain things I don't believe in. I don't believe in playing certain games. Um, I probably feel like my time is better spent making music than working social media. Um, I, I don't worry too much about our stats because I think if you're out there trying to do something really honest and really good, one person will notice and that leads on to something else and that leads on to something else and these things keep happening and that's probably what happened with us where we were just chugging away making music and we decided to put a few things out and, you know, someone, someone heard it. Like, our, 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 you know, our plays or our stats are probably pretty small, but someone heard it and went, okay, I'm, I'm going to book them for Metropolis. And then someone else hears us and goes, okay, we're going to book them for this show. And all these really good things happen if you're doing really honest, profound work, I think. Um, because there are enough people out there interested in investing in it, but they've got to invest in something that's really, really quality and has integrity. And Jenny, from your point of view, is that something that, that you look out for, someone that is obviously spending more time honing their craft and they're potentially building up a Facebook like page? From a, from a PR standpoint, is that something that, that you engage with an awful lot more? Yeah, I mean, I think the important thing about being an artist is that you can concentrate on, on honing your craft, as you said, or you know, writing your tunes and performing live, and that you leave, in theory, you should be able to leave the business side of it to somebody like me or to a team that you build up around yourself. So whether it's your distribution or if you go for a label or you hire independent PR, that, that those people worry about that for you because I know that stats aren't necessarily important, but it depends on what you're trying to achieve. And I think if you build a team 
around you and and in these days it's much easier to do than it than it would have been say even 10 years ago you'd kind of be beholden to sign into a big label whereas now you have that opportunity to kind of create something in a DIY way but that you allow somebody else to worry about your you know say for example social media I definitely think that it's important that that you are in control of that yourself because Nobody likes bullshit of, you know, a PR person going on saying, I'm psyched about my new single or, you know, whatever. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't ring true. And authenticity is key. But to have a, to have a team around you that, that can support you and take that worry away from you so that your concentration is on your live performance, on your recordings, on, on what yeah. it is that, you know, the, what's important to you. I think a, a, a good point to make is that, like, we, we, um, we do pretty much everything ourselves because our backgrounds are production, mixing, mastering, press, marketing, sales, distribution, and artwork. So we're kind of like a, a wee little cottage industry. But if someone can do it better than us, amazing. But un, until that person comes along, we kind of... Impossible. No, 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 it's totally... I'd love, I'd love like, we, we, were, we did an interview with someone recently, and I said, I'd love to hand over the day-to-day -day business stuff to someone. I really, really would, because we could just concentrate on, like, really, really cool stuff. Just doing yeah. what you actually want to do. Yeah, 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 totally. And, Johnny, um, it's slightly different coming from a design background, but is it important for you to try and stay as, as uh, original, independent, as true to what you want to do? And to, because it can be incredibly easy to fall into the current trends and, and traps that other local people might be doing? Like, how hard is it for you to sort of, to, to recognize what you actually want to do as opposed to what's in at the moment, if that makes sense? Uh, yeah, well, from a design perspective, it's kind of different, but that, that feeds into, like, coming from, like, the opinion of a lowly DJ as well. So you notice that, like, trends and stuff happening over, like, since I started doing it from the first gig I ever got, through yourself in the pod many many a moon ago. Was that mode selector? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, was it way, no, train wreck. Uh, we absolutely train wreck. Train wreck in the pod when when uh, I got the gig through someone breaking their arm and you have oh, to get yeah. someone in very very. Last That's minute. how everyone starts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but, we have to break their from, arm. From from, <laughs> yeah. from from then uh, to now, you just like the like the dips in in scenes and stuff that you notice. Like it's you're, it's crazy. It's like I I think. The only like uh, I think the only reason I've stayed somewhat relevant is as a DJ is is because I'm into lots of different types of music, so I can adapt to like different things that are coming and going. But it's uh, Dublin. I I don't know if it's around the world because I've just been here forever. But <laughs> in Dublin, it's it's it seems like it it's very fast moving, like with the scenes that come and go. Um, so it seems a bit fickle, uh, but. Um, I think from a design perspective, um, I'd have less experience. Obviously, I've just I've I've only I've only come out of college uh, last year, but I mean, I think I think at the point that I am in my design career, I think it's important to not get too not get too uh, stuck to a style or anything. Like this is just my opinion, but I think a lot of your a lot of what you do is is you're working for clients, so uh, you have to cater to them, and you have to you have to be respectful of what the content that you're designing for is. So I don't like some of my favorite designers are people like Kate Maross or So Me from Airbanger Records, and people like this who like have totally they have their style and they they they've managed to sculpt their career to 
get clients that, uh, you know, they, the clients they get know what they do and they're able to just lash their style on, onto, and that's, that's, that's what they do and that's amazing. But I think it's too early on for me to be able to say, oh, I have this style or, you know, I, th I think I'm, s I'm still learning. I'm, I'm, I'm very much in the early stages of that. So I think, I think it's important for me to be a chameleon. And, and um, I, I want to stick with you because we can talk about the magazine and I want to talk about the magazine more, which makes sense. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you remember what I said to you when you said you were going, when you were designing this one? Hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Was, uh, I just said, I don't care. What you do, just make it the best magazine in the world. And uh, you said, grand. And, and do you feel that you've achieved that? Do you feel that this magazine is actually the best magazine in the world? Yeah, absolutely. Nice. <laughs> you. Oh, to what do you know? <laughs> no, it's a great magazine, honestly. Um, so we're, I'm going to move on to quite a vague question, but I'd like to hear people's reactions to it because everyone's coming from quite a different sort of space. Um, uh, Mr. Subset, does Dublin inspire you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dublin is the reason we've done Grey Area, I think. Yeah, absolutely, Dublin inspires <laughs> us. Yeah. And do you think it's because of how um, sort of regressive the current laws are that you've gotten so passionate about the whole the stuff like Grey Area Project? Do you think that if you're in a more liberal city where these things exist, you would have been as gung-ho in what you've actually done? No, no, we're, we're a complete product of our environment and an environment that we're very thankful for and even Dublin City Council, thank you. Killian, <laughs> <laughs> um, does Dublin inspire you? So, yeah, it does, yeah. Totally. Um, but, it's, it, but it's a love-hate relationship, you know? Um, uh, Dublin, Dublin's my life. It runs through my veins. But, like, you know, we have to sit here with stupid fucking badges on because... <laughs> one more day. One more day. One more day. Absolutely. But, you know, so there's, there's Dublin, but then there's Dublin, you know? So it, it, it's a love-hate thing. Yeah. Um, uh, I've lived in other places, but I always come home, you know? It's, it's, it's home, and it, it inspires me and infuriates me on so many levels. That actually brings you on nicely. Um, have you ever felt tempted to move away to pursue what your passions actually are because you felt that you weren't able to do what you needed to do in Dublin? Um, no, I've always found an outlet for it in Dublin. Any time I wanted to move away, it was just to experience somewhere else. Lived in Berlin for a while, lived in London for a while. Amazing places, but I always gravitated back here. And when I came back here, you make connections so quickly. And you, you make headway really, really quickly if you really want to do something. So on that level, like, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's nowhere better for me. Jenny, yeah, has, there, has there ever been that temptation for yourself? To, to fuck move off away. out of here. I fuck off every couple of years, oh, uh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Um, but so I'd say I'd, I like working for a few years and then I'll take a year to to go away somewhere. Is this um, you handing in your notice now? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm off after this. <laughs> um, no, I think it's really important. I, I think it's really important to kind of go and experience different cultures and see what else is out there. Um, Ireland does inspire me for sure. Um, it infuriates me. I can see everybody in the front row and let's go. <laughs> Yeah, that inspires it. That equally inspires me and makes me 
kind of despair a small bit. But having said that, there's so much, there's so many awesome things happening here all the time. There's amazing shows, amazing art, amazing music. And when, particularly when you bring somebody from, who's not from here and show them around, you get an, uh, even more kind of yeah, instilled yeah. with pride for what we have here, yeah. And Johnny, you're pretty much just out of college. Is there the attraction there to move abroad or do you feel that Ireland has the landscape for you? To there's, well, th I was going to say, yeah, there's definitely the attraction to move away. I've just never done it. But as you were saying as well, it's just, it's just for the desire, for the experience. Uh, I think that Dublin's really strong um, in terms of the opportunities you can get for emerging designers. Um, what I'm involved in at the moment is a program called the 3x3 Three Three program, uh, which gives you can apply to uh, when you're coming out of college, and it gives it gives three designers the opportunity to do three months stints in three different design studios. So you get it's I'm coming to the end of that now, and it's been like the most amazing experience. And you know, there's different things for you know, there's like the student student IDI awards and stuff. Just little like initiatives like that that are pushing pushing designers who are coming out of college to be the best they can be and, and kind of you know get out there. And there's there's it's, the amount of like amazing studios that are in Dublin, like for such a small city, it's crazy. And they seem to all be around Cable Street, which is for really sure. strange. <laughs> well, a lot of them, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 good here. But having said that, yeah, because I've never lived abroad, I'd, I I would love to do a stint somewhere and just get that experience. And Mr. Subset, would you like to take uh, Subset on tour? Absolutely. Whereabouts? Everywhere. I mean. There's not really any barriers for us now, I think, in terms of the quality of what we do and the quality of what the community does. Like, not just Subset going on tour, but the entire large format artist community going and doing festivals the world over. I mean, everybody loves the Irish. Definitely gonna. Whoop over. I've wondered um, when a DCC letter comes through your door and it tells you that you need to paint over Blind Boy or paint over Luke Kelly or paint over Donald Trump in a wetsuit or something like that, like, is that, what's the first thing that comes into your mind when you get those mails? Uh, I mean, like, nothing. <laughs> it's, all right, cool, put it in the pile. <laughs> um, how big is the pile? I'd say... I don't know, we've probably got like, over the course of the last eight years, probably like a hundred requests to remove things. And what's the, with Grey Air Project, what is the process for actually um, removing the pieces? Are the pieces there to stay or? Uh, well, originally we were gonna run it for six weeks and there was gonna be 25 pieces by 15 artists and now we're nearly up to 50 artists and 45 pieces and we're gonna roll it out as an ongoing project, so we're not gonna stop because... <laughs> now, we, we were told to stop by Dublin City Council. <laughs> so it's a weird situation. I mean, we're, we're really vocal about it, I think. We definitely show everybody the cards we're holding, play by play, it's all happened in the public domain. Even before that, you know, I mean, you were there from the start as well, and it's just like very open, very community-based project, and the way Dublin City Council go about it, and no disrespect to them, because it's not, the individuals who work for Dublin City Council, they're just a product of their system, a very rigid system, so it's it, it, like the individuals in Dublin City Council, a lot of them have expressed, 
you know, even gratitude for the stuff we do. And I mean, the other day the office phone rang and uh, it was a woman and she said, look, I, uh, I want to get a wall painted. I'm like, yeah, sweet, you've come to the right place, so. <laughs> and uh, she's like, you know, this is weird. I actually rang Dublin City Council to ask them why they weren't removing the graffiti on the wall and they suggested that she call Subset. <laughs> So, uh, thanks again. <laughs> yeah. and, and in terms of um, how far can this go, like, uh, do, do you see this? How long will it take before there's actually a major breakthrough where people have this sort of um, the autonomy to paint walls or the autonomy to at least apply? With, I've spoken to you at length about this, and, and it is, I can't even imagine, uh, like, the paperwork. But well, we've been told, I'm just gonna, he asked me this question before, so I know before he even asked this, so I can cut him <laughs> off. But... Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, probably we were told three years. We were told to get the legislation changed and pass it through the doll. It would take three years because, and understandably, it needs to be passed through, most preferably by either the Minister for Housing and Planning or the Minister for Arts. And obviously, the Minister for Housing and Planning is dealing with a housing crisis. And when people don't have four walls to live in, who gives a fuck about painting walls, you know? And we, and we understand that. And, and that's why all of the proceeds of um, the sale of the grey area merchandise, I say merchandise, it's just prints of all the artworks, because we're going to be having a exhibition. We'll fill you in that. I'm not going to try and sell it now, but anyway. <laughs> um, all of the proceeds for that are going to go to the homeless in some way, shape, or form. Very good. With the, with the amount of, of work that's gone into Grey Area Project, do you think it would be beneficial to create a piece of literature that people could probably pick up for free? Um, in yes, the brother, we're doing it. Yeah, we are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice little segue. We're actually going to be launching a, a district, uh, well, a Grey Area and district magazine to essentially, well, a book to, to fill in the manifesto and the framework that Grey Area, well, that subset, are trying to put in place. They're trying to push forward. Um, so that the walls that are being painted that no one, I don't think any in this room well, wants to see you painted. Yeah, over. yeah, and also just to explain it in, in more detail because at the moment, I mean it's just a fucking load of cunts painting walls like lashing up stuff all the time so you know, and as well Subset as a group, we don't, we don't really like to explain what we do, we prefer our actions to, to do that for us but there's, there's I mean there's no way a giant swan in Portobello is it going to explain the Planning and Development Act so we need to explain that to people, and we hope we can do that to, to rally more support through the collaboration that we've got going. Okay, um, I'd love to keep chatting all evening, but I th everyone's been incredibly patient, and the bar is starting to fill up, so I think we'll get the DJs on. I think we'll actually start having a bit of a party. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> uh, so that's a subset, Killian, Johnny, and Jenny, and that's the podcast.